0: Hey folks, we're about to dive into our 100th episode, but just as we reach this milestone, just wanted to say thanks so much for listening. We're going to keep doing these, but really appreciate you being on the journey with us this far.
1: And preemptive, you're welcome for not trying to do like a retrospective. What are the highlights of the first 100 episodes of The Loaded Goat? Because can you imagine how awful that would be?
0: Well, we were going to do it, but then Christopher, I I asked Christopher to edit it, and he just said that was too much work. (laughs) All right, let's start the show. Welcome to The Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And today we're excited. We have Daniel Divasay, the author of Andy and Don, back with us, and we're going to break down Barney's first car. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <Break> down. <laughs>
2: that's a good, that's a good line. Yeah,
1: re- I didn't even realize what I was saying. <laughs> Should we go around first and share what our first cars were? By all means, my What's first up? car was a nope. 1994 Dodge Shadow. All right. Mine was a 2001 Rav 4, white. Whew. That thing could cook four cylinder, baby.
2: Um, I think that mine was a blue Dodge Dart with a white top that looked like it was sort of fake plastic or something. And it was probably vintage around
0: 1982. That's uh, I, I you know, the, the shadow and the
2: dart were kind of in the same, same same family, although I know the dart proceeded preceded it. Yeah, it was very old when I when it came to me, and I didn't have it for very long.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're breaking down a classic today, Barney's First Car. I remember watching a TBS Silver Anniversary special, which was hosted by Don Knotts, um, your, your brother-in-law, and it was where each of the four actors, it was Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, Jim Neighbors, and George Lindsay, they listed their favorite episodes. Um, Don Knotts' favorite episode was The Pickle Story, George Lindsay's was dinner at eight. Jim neighbors was um, citizen's arrest, but Andy's favorite episode was Barney's first car.
1: Oh, Oh really?
0: Yeah. I liked this episode. I did too. I did too. It's a great episode. And it's one that you have at the end of your book. It's it's in one of the top 20 of of what you consider to be the the 20 best episodes.
2: Oh yeah. I, I would probably put it in the top 10. I mean, I think it's, it's very memorable. It's it. You, you know, if you're thinking of images of that show that kind of are imprinted in your brain, that the six of them in that car <laughs> with Barney driving is that one's always going to be in my head. You know, it's just a great scene. It's one of the best scenes from the show, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I would agree. And it was written, um, it was first aired on April 1st, 1963, and was written by Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum and earned the show its second writer's guild award. Um, as we mentioned and as you mentioned in our past interview, um, that we did, it was not, um, one of the, it was not one, it was basically I'll never really given an given awards, especially for writing me Don the, pri- the awards primarily went to Don Knotts, but this was one that was so good that it got the, it got a WGA, um, award.
2: Yeah. Um, that's right. And, and it's, and it's a fan favorite, you know, it, it, it pops up regularly on lists of people's favorite Andy Griffith episodes. Um, it's one of the best expressions of Barney's kind of uh, childness, you know, <laughs> being a, being a 10 year old. I mean, it's one of the best iterations of the oddly sort of parental relationship that existed between Andy and Barney, like Barney's the father and Don is Barney's. I'm sorry that and Sheriff Andy's the father and Barney's the son, you know, cause Opie barely figures in the episode and he is actually the sheriff's son, but over and over in the show, it's almost as if Barney's the son.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny when watching this episode, when I, when I was a little kid, I just thought, well, of course, I mean, she put on Miss Leish she put on such a great show. Of course, she just con- convinced Barney that it was that, you know, this was a, this was a well taken care of car and, you know, she was struggling and, if, and, you know, of course he's going to buy it. And then watching it again yesterday, I thought, Oh, wait a minute. This is just, this is like almost so, it's like Bart, you know, you're like, you can see this con coming a mile away. Oh, it, totally. It,
1: yeah. It's this just, is one of the most obvious of the cons, like the, uh, you know, the Floyd, Floyd Gay Deceiver, you could see a little bit more of. Um, this one, I think kind of hits you over the head.
0: The yeah. First. Yeah. So we open with Barney, if everybody's ready to dive right in, we open with Barney coming into the sheriff's office and he's in a very cheery mood. He's withdrawn three hundred dollars, all of his, which is all of his money from the bank, and he's going to uh, going to buy a car. And Andy should t- tells him he should wait before br- making a rash decision. But you know, Barney's got his mind made up to it. He's almost like an eager kid with money in his pocket, like as you pointed out, so, you know, saying it's going. You know, it's almost like he's just got his money and he's just ready to burn
1: in a hole. I feel the same way. As soon as I decide I'm going to buy something. The negotiation is just a formality at that point. I'm ready to do it.
0: So if I, so if you're really here, and you're going to just buy a car. Um, you're not really worried about the quality or anything like that. You just want to drive the car off the line.
1: I'm a what does it take to get me behind a wheel kind of guy.
0: <laughs> you're, a, you're a car salesman's dream. Yeah. So Barney reads and reads the ads. One sounds very suspicious. It's that. It's that it's like that cliche of the widow's car who only drove it to church on Sundays and once a year to Aunt Martha's. But Barney is like hook, line and sinker. We cut to Andy and Barney sitting on the porch on Sunday. And this is and I'm going to let you break this down, Daniel, because um, you really talk about this in your book um, about the septic tank, but the septic (laughs) tank um, exchange, which is just one of the funniest exchanges in the series.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I went and found my original manuscript, which was almost twice as long as the finished book, and I wrote a lot about this. But basically, the the writers, of uh, Greenbaum being one of them, Fritzel, they would put little little stories ripped from their own lives and their sort of ancestors' lives, and put them into these little skits. And this was, I, I think, maybe maybe the best of these little skits uh, that they came up with. And so. <laughs> Barney just mentioned sort of nonchalantly. It's kind of hilarious that a guy who's, you know, nearing middle age has never made a purchase as big as $300. But he says, last big buy I made was mom's and dad's anniversary present. And Andy's the straight man. He says, what'd you, what'd you get him? A septic tank. So Andy stops peeling his apple, turns to Barney, and looks for him with a very long sort of sober moment, allowing that line to sink in. For their anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, they're really hard to buy for. Besides, it was something they could use. They were really thrilled. Two tons of concrete, all steel reinforced. And Andy takes a lo- another long, very scowling look at Barney and says, "You're a fine son, Barn."
1: I mean, that <laughs> is quite the gift. That's a. I mean, did he also do like? Did he dig the hole? Was he paying for the labor? That's a lot of work.
2: <laughs> and Barn says, "I try." Oh uh, yeah, it was a great little skit. And uh, Andy and. Don wrote some of those themselves. I, I don't remember. I don't know if I know who wrote this one, but they came up with some of those. And there's a whole bunch of these little skits and they, they elevate some of the lesser episodes. So you watch some of the not as good episodes and you'll miss a great little skit that's buried in the middle of it, you know? But this yeah. is an, a great episode that features a great little skit in it.
0: So the, uh, Miss Leish pulls up in the car and you've got this almost kind of eerie kind of organ music that they are playing, which yes. to go to a
2: her, Like funereal. Yeah, yeah
0: and barney is excited to see her he's almost like i mean it's almost just laughable he's like falling he's like miss leish and um he's like running over to her falling all over himself it just, it's just hilarious it's a beautiful car it is and she's just playing it on she's just playing it on thick she's laying it on thick she says she wants to make sure it ends up with a good owner because this car was so important to mr leish and she, I mean, this is they—they they brought in a top-notch actress to deliver this. It's Ellen Corby, who is best remembered for playing the grandmother on The Waltons.
1: Oh, I don't know that show. She's she was a known quantity. She's someone I would have seen. She's like Rob Riggle level.
0: So you really don't know The Waltons? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> we
0: don't need to go there if it's humiliating. <laughs> it's not humiliating. Uh-huh. It's just like we're talking about this. This is like the difference in age, and so the Waltons were kind of like a very it's about this family that lives in the mountains during the depression and it was on for and there's like have you ever seen that geico commercial as that how long did it take the waltons to say good night and it's like good night john boy good night you know if you, you remember that commercial i got nothing
1: here
2: you know it's it's another example of something that was really 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 popular at the time and then was utterly forgotten Within a few years after it went off the air, and I say that with all due respect to the fine, fine performers and writers and directors on the show, so the Goodnight John Boy thing would mean absolutely nothing if you weren't watching TV in the seventies, right? Yeah. There's no way you would know it because yeah. it was it was it's been utterly forgotten, you know. That's
0: that's true. It's one that was like it was syndicated for a little bit in the 80s, I think. And that was where I remember seeing some episodes, but it was but I mean, ever ever since then, I guess maybe it's on me TV and that's it or on the yeah. Sundance channel. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm sure some people who watched it then still want to watch it now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Streaming has changed that too. So she starts discussing how much money she needs and Barney is eager to buy the car and won't take it to a mechanic and he tips his hand to how much money he has. I mean, this is like every, <laughs> everything you don't do in, in buying a car and she overhears and says the total of what she owes is around 297 bucks. Um, Barney immediately gives her 300 and tells her to keep the change for miss Mrs. Lace's or Mr. Lace's favorite charity. This is one that is just, I'm kind of like, you know, as you get as it's 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 almost like it's still funny, but it as you get older, you're just like this just becomes more kind of like, oh Barty, what are you doing? Don't don't do this. They're painful. Yeah. Yeah. And she leaves saying her nephew is picking her up at the church around the corner. And later her nephew picks her up and she says she's like got a very she's like she was kind of playing this meek person but she's <laughs> now in charge and she says she just unloaded this car on the biggest sucker in the world uh the nephew is played by alan melvin who never plays a nice cut never plays a nice guy on the show oh is that relevant. who was yeah that was alan melvin yeah. Oh. yeah and we go to commercial so now that we're at the break what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment to break down the biggest lemons in pop culture history Christopher, do you want to go first?
1: Well, I've got a, I've got two lists here to go from. Okay. Are we doing lemons of cars or like biggest things that like that should have been great that were terrible? I was going with like in. I guess well, I'll
0: start. I'll start because we can it can be. I've got a house on this list too, but okay. the first first thing I have on this list is the Eleanor Mustang and gone in sixty seconds. You know, by the end, oh, totally. Nicholas Cage has, has brought this in and it has been torn to pieces. Yep.
1: Okay. I'll use list number two. Um, I thought Scooby Doo's van. It didn't, didn't run well. It didn't run well. I mean, they got a lot of good space <laughs> out of it. I think it was a precursor to van life craze. But you know, I think they could have had a better crime-fighting mobile. That's fair. At number four, I have Uncle Buck's
0: car. Do you? Did you ever see Uncle Buck? I did see Uncle Buck. You know that thing? The exhaust on that thing. I mean, just blowing out. I mean, that was that was something to see.
1: My number four is, uh, from How I Met Your Mother, Marshall's Ford Fiero, that had the, just, I could walk 500 miles or 5,000 miles as the thing that repeated over and over again.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, at number three, I have The Money Pit, The House in the Money Pit. Have you seen The Money Pit? I don't have this one. I don't know it's it. Tom Hanks, Shelley Long, they buy this amazing, what they think is an amazing house, and it is just an entire movie of just bad hijinks with everything that's wrong with this house. Ooh. Okay.
1: All right. This is where our lists start to get together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to list two, though. Um, I would say the next one I have is the when Greece Lightning in Greece first comes in. That's a real lemon, but it's a real regs to riches story.
0: And number two for me are the cars they make at the end of Gung Ho. Have you seen Gung Ho, Christopher? I have not. It is a great movie with Michael Keaton where their plan is about to be shut down, but they've got to make all these cars to meet quota. They bring oh, yeah. out the, um, they bring out the cars and Michael Keaton just gives a big speech. They've got the, the company has been basically bought by a Japanese automaker and he's kind of like, well, I'm driving off in a car we made together. He gets in and the car just completely falls apart because they made about a thousand over in, in, basically 10 hours. So it's uh, it's just a great, um,
1: <laughs> it's just a great, it's just a great scene. Excellent. Um, I would go. The next one is any card that goes against Dominic Toretto in Fast and the Furious <laughs> is just by definition a lemon because it's not going to beat that. I think it's a charger. Yeah, it, it
0: definitely is charger. I mean, and that, that thing, uh, that charger has traveled the world. It has. <laughs> it has. And then number one, I don't think this is even up for debate. The worst lemon in movie history, Christine. <laughs> What's this? Have you ever seen Christine? It's a Stephen. Well, it was it based on? The Stephen King novel, and it's just basically
1: about a demonic car that kills people. Oh wow! No, that's that. That sounds really good. Yeah, uh, not one you'd want to buy. <laughs> um, I don't feel great about my number one, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. I would say the space shuttle in Apollo 13 was a little bit of a lemon. <laughs> it, it did take a village to get it back to, um, <laughs> to the United States to, to, to Earth. <laughs> Um, I also just want to share, I was looking at like biggest lemons to hit the screen of like biggest failures of shows that I thought were really hyped. And I had The Expendables. I had Cowboys vs. Aliens, Avatar, We Bought a Zoo, and then White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. I'm you gonna, could put Abercrombie and Fitch in the lemon category kind of for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, yeah, uh, quite quite a few. I mean, but I, I wouldn't call the highest grossing
0: movie of all time a lemon. with Avatar. Daniel,
2: he probably means the live action version of Avatar the Airbender, right? Oh, I actually, I mean the real one. I didn't like it. It was so boring. (laughs) Oh, you didn't like the film. I I thought it was
1: going to be like really cool 3D. And it's just like, you know, just the little soft three dimension
2: to me. Um, my list of lemons would be every single car that anyone ever tries to start in either a thriller or a horror movie when they're trying to get away from the bad guy and it never starts.
1: Definitely, that's for and sure.
2: particularly in the era before kind of mechanized computer generated cars when everything was down to the likes of Michael Keaton and, you know, actual auto workers and half the cars were terrible, you know, and like only 10% were fully functional. Like the car never starts, but I can't <laughs> think of any specific examples now.
0: I mean, I feel I like every solid. slasher movie made in the 80s yeah. had, that, had that, or at least every other. <laughs>
2: yeah, it never starts. <laughs>
0: yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, no. <laughs> So after the break, Andy, Barney, Thelma Lou, Opie, and Aunt B are loading up for a Sunday drive. This is actually one of my favorite scenes because he's so fussy. And he says the car has been treated with gloves and then he intends to keep it that way. I will say that was something I, I don't know if, you, if either, any of you, either of you experienced that growing up. There was Even when I was younger and I was a kid... Going taking a Sunday drive after church, that was something we would do from time to time.
2: Another thing that occurred to me when I was watching that, I watched it again today, is that's this thing that even now, I'm you know, I'm pretty old now, but like when I got my last new car, I was very, very, you know, finicky with other people with the rest of the family for the first, you know, first few weeks, you don't want anybody putting even one speck of dust in your brand new car. It's and then if you're a kid, it's even probably more that way, like that's Mm -hmm. my new this and my new, my new jacket, you know. So he's doing the 10-year-old Barney, 10-year-old boy routine, and just like, you know, I'll I'll get that door, you know. But it's kind of the way adults act too. It's kind of hilarious. Totally.
1: I had this when I got my last car, it was a while ago. Like I got it, and then like within three days, I took a group, did like a 24 hour straight car ride down to Southern California. And I I was like all, I was excited to drive the car and then nervous. And we got to like, I drove to like maybe four in the morning in the middle of Nevada and started like, you know, seeing weird things pop in front of me that was real tired. And somebody offered to drive and they like couldn't get it started. And I was like, well, that's not a good sign. And I was like, well, to get out of park, you got to put your foot on the brake. And then the accelerator revs. I was like, oh boy, I think I got another second wind here. (laughs) Oy, 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 Yeah. You know, I bought my latest car
0: in April of last year and I don't have children. So it was funny. I had parents riding with me after two or three months and they said, your car still smells like a new car. I was like, I don't have kids. (laughs) I mean, so I was was like, I don't have kids and I bought this in a pandemic. So it's not like I, you know, I feel like when you have kids, your car is going to smell like a new car for about two weeks
2: or a dog or
0: a dog. Yeah. A dog too. Yeah. So the car has difficulty starting and they all say they smell gas when which, which Barney responds with one of my favorite lines, of course you smell gas. What do you <laughs> think this car runs on, Cole? And <laughs> later they are they later they the car eventually starts that takes off. They are driving in the country and the car starts making all of these noises before a crashing sound comes down. And um later. They are driving by the Johnson farm in the middle of the steering wheel starts to come out like a snake, which is just and the look done. The look on Don Nance's face during this is just hilarious. It's great comedy It's great. And Salma Lou sees it and screams and then it just <laughs> plops over like it's dead. And then the car breaks down and needs more water.
1: And then you get to, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but just because of that, I love seeing Thelma Lou like, clean off Barney. Barney's despondent, and she's, you know, wiping off the grease off his hands.
0: Yeah. And then Andy's driving because Barney's despondent, and then it breaks down, and we cut to Thelma Lou steering while Andy, Gomer, Opie, and Pouring it bf to push the car. (laughs) And back at the sheriff's office, Gomer comes in, and... He just goes over all the things the car needs, and it's it's a laundry list. I mean, it is just, I mean, nothing in there. I mean, it seems like the car just, what the work that needs to be done is almost more, it was going to cost more than the value of the car based on, <laughs> at least if, if that was the case of today, and they had that laundry list of things, that's what it would, it would be. And then there was also sawdust in the transmission, which apparently, <clears> I didn't realize this is the oldest car hustler's trick in the world. And makes the gears run smooth for a few days.
1: I knew this from uh, the Matilda movie and Danny DeVito. He mm-hmm. puts sawdust in it. And then he also has like that special machine that rolls back the mileage. Oh, yeah. And Andy tells
0: Barney they're going to take the car back to the um, this lady who's in, lives who's from Mount Pilot. And on the way there, the car breaks down. And Andy calls for Gomer to come get them. But later, the car is towed while Andy and Barney sleep in the back seat. But it's not Gomer's tow truck. And they scrunch down to see where they're taking them. And they end up in what is clearly some sort of chop shop car hustler operation. And Andy tells Barney to put his bullet in. And then there are three men discussing the car and in walks Mrs. Leish or Miss Leish. And she hits one of them and the men when she sees the car and says, that's the clunker she sold to that boob in Mayberry.
1: (laughs) Um, you know, a, a couple of things. I think what we were missing out of this is a scene of Gomer wandering around looking for the car after it's gone, whatever happened there. And then the chop shop, the only other chop shop I've ever seen on TV is Tim Riggins and his brother in Friday Night Lights. Then he gets arrested and goes to jail. Some mm-hmm. serious stuff. It's hard to dispose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I haven't seen a lot of chop shops either, except in, you know, gangster movies, and that's been about it. I've and andy and barney walk out to arrest them and she tries to offer she says well you've got us but she tries to offer him a great car and barney once again just starts to go along and before andy just kind of looks at him and goes barn and, <laughs> and we go to commercial a little and, bit more heavy-handed here yeah and then the epilogue andy and barney are at the sheriff's office and barney says now that he's got his car back there's money back. He's going to be more gil- diligent. And this time, in walks somebody who really does seem to be sincere. And she's a little old lady who's going to discuss her car. She describes it, says it's in excellent condition. Barney's like, "And yeah, I bet you only drove it to church on Sundays and, you know, all this oh, stuff. And, <laughs> and then Barney goes, who do you think you're kidding, sister? And he starts to run her out. And then her nephew
1: walks in and he's actually a reverend. And Barney's just perplexed. And it's not Alan Newsom. Oh no, not Alan Newsom. Alan Newsom's our friend. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? Alan Melvin. Alan Melvin. Yeah. So, great episode. What are your... Any what are any
0: any thoughts uh, on this, Christopher and Daniel?
2: I'll let Daniel go first. Uh, just a couple of random notes. They say the model year of the car, which I think is like a 54 or something. And it's mm-hmm. one of the few times in the show when they acknowledge the year, this, the setting of the Andy Griffith show. Because... By and large, that show is being sort of presented as sort of a timeless thing. It kind of feels like it's during the Depression, maybe the 30s or something, and they very seldom give a reference to the current date. And I think that's significant because that's partly why the show is so timeless now is that it was sort of timeless. So that's kind of interesting. Also, Barney is wearing a salt-and-pepper suit, which is beloved and which hangs now at the Andy Griffith Museum in Mount Area. You can see Mm it. And um, also... Real props to the writers and the whole crew, because this is a very late season episode. And to have such a high quality episode when they're doing, what, 32 episodes a season, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, really, really great quality episode for so late in a very long season of writing and and filming shows.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And in your opinion, as far as with i know you've got we we've all got our favorites, I'm kind of of the mindset that three and four are probably the two best seasons in the whole whole series
2: yeah, well, um I think the second, third, and fourth seasons are the, are the really strong ones maybe s- season three and four are a little better because you got gomer thrown in there, although he was only in i don't know a couple what a couple dozen episodes i, I yeah. I'll forget this. But yeah, you're, you know, you're you're probably right. I think that in my book, as I was writing them one after the other, I think I kind of figured out that I felt that maybe, maybe possibly the third season was the was the kind of overall best. But but the fourth season then would be if you're doing like a ranking, you know, clickbait article, you'd probably put season four next, and then maybe season two. I don't yeah. know if you guys agree with that.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. Christopher can't
1: agree with it because he's working his way. He's working
2: his way forward. He's working his way forward. forward. But I do yeah.
1: think three is better than. I will say three is the best so far.
2: Yeah, I mean season two is wonderful, but but season three is just fabulous. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine a better season of any show than that than that yeah. season of that show.
0: Especially with the number of episodes, when you especially when you yeah. factor in the number of episodes they were churning out,
2: they were running on all cylinders of a of a, of a smoothly running car
1: yeah what do you what do you think christopher all that i would add is i i thought that i just want to go back to that scene where aunt b Opie and gomer are in the back and barney's doing the allocation where people sit i thought it was brilliant it was so fun like watch i think you got a lot of good gomer in it and he's working his way into the hearts and minds of us new watchers so i in. i'm into it the other thing is like let's do a mashup of that scene with tracy chapman's fast car <laughs> You've got the you've got the material. You got
0: the you know you can do it and put it on YouTube and see how long it'll be before Viacom makes you take it down. Uh, <laughs> so, Daniel, one thing we do at the end of every episode is we rank, We give a whistle ranking. So it's a ranking of one being the worst and ten being the best um, of whistles. This to me is a ten whistle episode. Ten whistle think? again? A ten whistle. Ep- I mean, we've got a lot of ten whistle episodes in season wow. three.
2: Okay. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, if that means it's in the top 10% of all the Andy Griffith episodes, yeah, probably so. Probably so. So, like, was there 170 of them? I can't, I'm going to forget this. There's 259. Are there really? What am I thinking? 100. So maybe that was
0: 249. Maybe Maybe that's the number that
2: Don was in. Okay. (laughs) It's been a long time since I wrote this book. So, like, the 20 that are in my list would be not even 10%. So, yeah, definitely that 10, 10 whistle episode.
1: I'm going to do a 9.5 just to be different, from the group. <laughs> but I thought this was a fantastic episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Any final thoughts? Always happy to have a new face on, on the uh, podcast. So thanks for joining us.
2: Happy to be here. Uh, and, and if you ever need uh, uh, a hand on any of the future episodes, I'd be happy to do it. If you're going to watch any of the color ones, I really like the ones where, um, Andy goes to Hollywood and, um, watches them film a a movie out of the Andy Griffith show that there's not as many good episodes from the color years, but that's what, that's, those are, those are good episodes. No, we will, we will, we will hold you to that. We would love to have (laughs) you back. Also, if folks want to find your work, where should they, where should they go? Oh, right. Um, well, if you just Google Andy Don book, you'll find the book, but my website is my name, which is danieldevise.com com. my last name is spelled like devise, And, uh, you know, um, if if you want to buy it, uh, try to try to get it at, a, at an indie bookstore. You can make them order it for you. I guess I hadn't thought of that when we were ta- asking this question earlier, but yeah, they can they can order it and sell it to you. Great,
1: that's great. I am I I'm not forcing this position on either the podcast or other folks, but after Amazon kicked off the Andy Griffiths show at the end of, middle of season two, <laughs> I I will do whatever I can to push back against uh, against Amazon's shutting down small podcasts. So we're we're going pro indie bookstore here. I think that's a little more of a character. I think that's a mischaracterization. I, nobody shut us down. We just couldn't get it
0: for free on Amazon Prime anymore. That's that's the only thing. So, well, thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. Next week we do the rivals. And until then, Christopher, what do you think this car runs on? Coal? No, it's 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 cardboard.